Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer, as always, is Lou Pellegrino. Our guest this week is a familiar one. It is someone who has been on this podcast many times. John Orand is the fine media reporter for the Sports Business Daily and Sports Business Journal. And he joins us for 45-50 minutes of sports media conversation. Good morning, John. Hey, Richard. I got the coveted solo spot this week. That's pretty cool. Yes, no Chad Finn, no Robert Littell, no AJ, per- AJ Perez. Uh, yeah, put this on your resume. This will so that and a dollar and two seventy five will get you on the New York subway. <laughs> um, so here's where I want to start, John. We, there's a lot of places we can go, but first, I just I want to start off with the NFL. And obviously, it's been an incredible year for them in terms of viewership, competitive games, young, dynamic quarterbacks that you want to watch, great offense. And as I look, and we're taping this um, prior to the championship games, the thing about the NFL, John, this year in particular, that's interesting to me, is that they don't have a bad Super Bowl matchup. You know, with the four teams that are left, if you sort of mix and match and figure out or combine whatever the potential matchup would be, they have a great matchup in that game. And I think potentially a record setter. Specifically, marketing-wise, I think if you get Breeze-Brady in that game, is close at the end. Um, it is amazing to me. The NFL can go from, you know, a viewership being a, a problematic narrative to, I think, having a real chance to set an all-time viewership record depending on who's in that game and how that game plays out. Yeah, I'm setting my sights a little lower than you. I, I, I don't see an all-time record coming coming here, but I think that the storylines are amazing. The ratings have been increasing throughout the season, which is which is what's really surprising. Like Fox Sports' uh, Mike Mulvihill put out a tweet where he compared the ratings before that, that great uh, Rams, um, was it Rams-Saints game or Rams-Chiefs no, game? No, I think the Monday night or the Rams-Chiefs game, right? And the ratings were up, you know, 4% before that game and after that game, which really like caught fire and people wrote about it and introduced two young quarterbacks to a, to a mass audience. Ratings have been up close to double digits, and they've increased even more during the playoffs. And the, you just take a look at the storylines. No matter, you know, all, all NFL storylines pretty much run through the quarterbacks. And you have the old quarterbacks and, and Breeze and Brady versus the young quarterbacks in Mahomes and um, and Goff. And you know, either one that gets through, you have uh, to the Super Bowl, either old or old or young and young. I mean, it, they're just great storylines uh, that, that are going through there. So I think that. If you're CBS, who has this year's Super Bowl, you're pretty much overjoyed with uh, with with the options that are that are sitting there. Yeah, we totally recommend Mike Mulvihill as a Twitter. Fo- I mean, listen, he's a, you know he's a fox honk, but he's a very bright fox honk and uh, and tweets out very interesting things. One of the things, John, I don't know if you uh, noticed on Mulvihill's feed that I saw was that the uh, the cable news network ratings or viewership during the NFL game windows are down a couple hundred thousand this year from the year before. So that was pretty interesting. I, I, I'm not saying there's a specific correl- correlation between those viewers who abandoned cable news on those primetime windows who went to the NFL, but maybe they did. I mean, it sort of makes, you know, I feel like that's a pretty good logical inference. Did you happen to see that one? I don't have it in front of me, but um, uh, MSNBC, Fox, CNN, down pretty significantly this year during the NFL game windows. 
Yeah, I mean, and the funny thing about ratings is like that there can be a million reasons for why they go up or, or go down. And uh, and I, I always thought that the rise of uh, Donald Trump and, and, and all the oxygen he takes out of the, uh, the the TV ratings really hurt not only NFL, but a lot of other live sports. And there could be, you know, there, there could be a sense of like people are getting tired of, the, of you know, the pres- presidential storyline of sorts. But I know like this weekend... In the Northeast, like in D.C., we got blasted with a foot of snow. It was cold. Yep. People were inside. They're watching TV. That may, like the weather makes ratings go up or go down. And uh, and and this, uh, all the stars aligned for the NFL of the past couple of weeks in terms of uh, ratings going up. And I think that uh, I think I saw a Schefter tweet about the weather for the Kansas City New England game is going to be you know something that people are going to want to turn on the TV and watch. So it's I, I, I like. Everything is pointing to monster numbers coming out of the NFL this this, uh, this year. Yeah, it's interesting too because you know we we probably should talk about that more. Those of us who uh, write about viewership and stuff, but weather has a massive impact on viewership, particularly NFL games because the you know games take place obviously between September and February, and when you have a really rough weekend in the Midwest or the East Coast, the numbers always go up. Um, it really and conversely, is fascinating when, when you have see. a beautiful day and people are outside and it's like I don't I don't want to waste this day. Numbers go down. It's uh, so, so it it happens in, in in both areas and it's one of a million reasons for why ratings could be going up or down. Yeah. So I want to ask. Uh, I want to have a quick discussion before we move off um, the NFL on the the prospect of Super Bowls heading forward. Uh, my podcast with Jim Miller, by the way, thank you for those of you who listened. Um, I should have been more sort of specific in something in that ABC has had Super Bowls before. Uh, they had uh, a Super Bowl in February 2006. That is the last one before that, 2003, 2000. They were in the rotation. Um, what I was talking about with Miller was trying to say is that essentially like ESPN proper has never had a game. So this sort of leads me, John, into my discussion with you, and you are somebody obviously who writes about sports, um, uh, sports media deals and sports rights more than me. I think very clearly ESPN has made it clear that they want to continue their relationship with the NFL. I mean, over the last six to 12 months, so much of their business plan has sort of been recalibrating their relationship with the league. I think logically you can sort of extend, John, in that um, they're going to make a play, I would think, to try to get in the Super Bowl rotation. Obviously, the other networks don't want that, but that would be an unbelievable thing for ABC. I am sure they would pay for that privilege. What do you think of that of that possibility? Do you what would you if you were going to handicap it? What would you handicap ABC slash ESPN getting a Super Bowl in the next rights rotation? Uh, I would, uh, if I'm going to handicap it, a prediction. I think it's likely. Uh, ESPN pays more than any other net, uh, network. They're they're conscious of that. They have deep pockets, and now they have a broadcast network that is uh, th- that is carrying more and more and more sports. Uh, so I, I I think that it's uh, likely to happen. But uh, what I find fascinating about this is that you know a little more than a year ago when I was on this, we were talking about the possibility of ESPN uh, turning its back on the NFL. And Correct. I, and if John Skipper were still the president of ESPN, I still think that, that there's a there was a good possibility that he'd be like, you know what, I can take that two billion dollars a year and we can invest it 
even further into college football. We can bring over hockey. We can be we can be all sports, and we can be the NFL uh, d- during the week. You know, maybe pay pay them some uh, a pittance for some highlight rights or whatever. And now that Jimmy Pitar is in there, and like you said, they've recalibrated. Their ESPN is tied at the hip now again with the NFL. Uh, the, the 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 new um, president there and the new administration that that that's around ESPN. They want to have the NFL back, and they want to increase what they do with the NFL. And so, you know, they they also have the most money and are paying the most money. So, you know, if I'm looking at them, you know, is is a Sunday night football schedule potentially available? Is are one of the afternoon schedules available? And then you take a look also at what they do with the college football championship. So, you know, if you're the NFL, it's like wow. So I can go on ES, I can go to ABC. I'm pretty confident then ESPN's also going to carry it, and I'm pretty confident then they're going to have it across two news, you plus everything else that's out there, and then right. all of a sudden they're, they're they're coming with a completely different um, a, a completely different offer than the old ESPN, which was like, okay, we just want to get a Monday night game and put it on our cable channel, which doesn't get into as many houses as broadcast. So that's really interesting. So a couple things there. One, I absolutely agree with you. I actually think ESPN. I keep saying actually. I should stop that. I think ESPN would not have um, would not have retained the NFL if John Skipper was still the president. He had his issues with the league. I don't think they fit his sensibilities. I think he probably was sort of tired of the NFL pushing them around. And I think I think they would have tried to stay in the business of the NFL. I think they just would have tried to maybe cut a highlight deal uh, as opposed which would have been you know multiple multiple millions of dollars but maybe gotten got you know maybe moved off the game broadcast uh, but you know we'll never know that but I am absolutely in agreement with you that I think they have a real shot of getting in the Super Bowl rotation so that leads me John and you sort of hit on this a little bit um, if they did get how, let me sort of rephrase this do you think the NFL would be interested in a mega cast style Super Bowl? broadcast at least as a one-off so not only the game on abc not only the game simulcast on espn but espn doing different kind of things like for instance bringing in former nfl coaches to do a a a coach's film room uh having some kind of different um camera angles to watch the game on their multiple streaming options doing like that fan broadcast that they've done where, again, I'm just sort of, you know, spitballing here. They they bring in the home announcers of each of these Super Bowl teams, and you're able to listen to that game. Although, you know, probably the home announcers, the radio announcers would do it on their own. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you think the NFL would be interested in that kind of college production? Or does the NFL um, not want to dilute the product so much and, you know, they just want it on ABC, ESPN, and, and maybe simulcast on a couple other channels? Let's put it this way. I th- I'm, I'm pretty certain that ESPN, when they come in for an offer, is that, that's going to be part of their offer, you know. And I, I think that it works for for CFP. The NFL really, really likes having one gigantic number of people that are coming and watching it on 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 one channel. Exactly. However, you, you, you take a look, and they're starting to stream it. So that one gigantic number is getting. I mean, let, let's be honest. Streaming is like not even a fingernail of, of that number, but it's it's you know it, it's it's siphoning off like a, you know a, a small sectors here and there, and we're being conditioned now to look at what NBC does with the Olympics. It's you know one it, they they don't give one rating anymore for for just the Olympics. It's you know plus they they add in all of the uh, 
the streaming numbers and, and, and everything else. So everybody's now being conditioned to have that one big number, and you don't necessarily just have to have it against the um, against one channel. So I think that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see the NFL say, like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, but but I think that's that's all part of the negotiation that's going to have to happen. Yeah, I just sort of did a quick check here. So last year's uh, Super Bowl, uh, 3.1 million concurrent streams, average minute audience of 2 million. So, um, you know, the numbers have certainly gone up over the last five years. But like you said, I mean, that's 2 million compared to, you know, 106 million across all platforms. Streaming is still very, very small um, when it comes to that game when you sort of weigh it against the network number. But, you know, if, if, if the NFL is indeed in a better place with ESPN, um, I'm with you. I think I would put that over 50% in terms of them getting a Super Bowl. I, by the way, I don't think they're going to swipe the package from another network if that's what they're interested in. I also talked to Sean McManus. I was in New York last week. CBS is going to defend, he said, very, very hard any kind of bid to try to get the AFC package, you know, obviously that may come from other places like DAZN, you know, other these digital places that have money. But I do think that um, if the number's right, I think ESPN, I think ESPN slash ABC can absolutely get a Super Bowl. One other thing, John, and then we'll move on to some of the other you stuff. You know, let me, let me just add to that, though. Please. So CBS, NBC, and Fox are going to defend their packages as hard as they possibly can. And in fact, uh, I expect Fox also potentially to look at other packages, look what they're doing with the uh, Thursday night package. Yep. Where the problems potentially come in is ESPN sp- spends $2 billion per year for Monday Night Football. NBC spends uh, like $1 billion per year. So all of a sudden, like, let's say that they take that $2 billion and say, like, we'll give you you know, I'm I'm just spitballing numbers here, but we'll give you three billion for Sunday night for the Sunday night football schedule that we'll put then on ABC and 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 on ESPN. In order for NBC then to match it, they have because they, they I mean they're a public company and they have to be conscious about this. They're going to have to triple their outlay and like that's that's not really budgeted in there. That that I mean that that's a that's a huge outlay there. And that's how that's how different networks come in and, and uh, steal packages. So it's uh, I'm sure they're all going to try to de- defend them as hard as they can. But it's uh, you know once numbers get up so high and and, and ESPN with its you know nine dollars per subscriber per month li- uh, uh, license fee from distributors, you know it's uh, it, it, it it's going to be interesting to follow. So John, one one thing I want to ask you about that I did talk with uh, uh, Miller about last week, and and trust me, did I hear from some ESPNers uh, after this discussion? And that was, um, I think it's fair to be skeptical of what ESPN's reporting on the NFL is going to be heading forward, given this recalibration. That is not to say that ESPN is not going to be all over transactions, all over uh, player misconduct, coach misconduct. But I do, I do have some skepticism as to whether we'll ever see like a league of denial kind of reporting again, you know the reporting on sort of head injuries and concussions that obviously drives the NFL mad because that's where they really fear like too much of that storyline exists and parents across America don't put their kids in football anymore. Um, I had, I heard some pushback from some ESPNers saying that's not going to be the case. We are committed to our journalism, including on the NFL. Uh, top of your head thoughts, John, what do you, what do you see there? 
look, I think that there's an understandable um, uh, concern about that, uh, given um, given sort of you know when you're trying to better a relationship with a league, you know, and and you and you run a journalism shop. Um, the one thing that I've been saying for ten years with uh, with ESPN, or even longer, because because these are issues that have sprouted up periodically throughout. When you have people like Bob Lee and Outside the Lines, and when you have Don Van Nata and Seth Wickersham, like, like you know, if those are the, those are the types of journalists that I would expect would turn and leave a, a, a publication if they're not allowed to do stories that they want to do. And I mean, they're they're journalists, journalists, and and so the, the, they're to me sort of the the weather vane that I'm looking at, you know, and and, and if if the, if the, I, I think that's where you might start to see cracks if they start to, to turn tail and go. And I, I find it hard to believe that they would work for a, a, an organization that wouldn't allow them to pursue stories that matter like uh, like you just explained. Yeah, well, let's hope Bob Lee comes back. He's, I think he's he's somewhere with uh, Morgan Freeman and uh, Tim Robbins in Zuataneo right now, hanging out. <laughs> he's got the beard. It's been off outside the lines for a couple months. Uh, but, yes, I have the journalists that you mentioned, obviously Van Atta, Wickersham, Bob Lee, uh, no question. And, by the way, many journals. more than that. Those are just sort of the yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, it, 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 let, let us be clear, and I've said this a million times, there are so many great journalists at ESPN behind the scenes that you don't even know. Their feature producers um, are just, you know, incredible, incredible journalists you know we know a lot of these people the willie weinbaums of the world these are people like you've just never uh you never see on tv because they're not front-facing but they are um they are reporting and oftentimes a lot of times reporting more than the on-air talent that fronts the piece so um so richard i'm 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 hoping that I answered that question in such a way that I guaranteed myself a couple of lattes over the next few weeks. Yeah, John, I've noticed. Uh, I, I have noticed that you have been getting some ESPN scoops over the last couple of months. Um, I have good, good sources. I'm not, I'm not connecting the dots there, but and I know you're a shoe leather guy, but you know, and and conversely, I I will, you know, I, I what would you say the Vegas odds are? Who do I hear from from this podcast? Do I hear from Laplaca, Amy Phillips, Bill Hoffheimer? Or Saltis. Uh, uh, what do you think? Oh, for this is NFL talk. No, Hoffheimer and I, we're 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 in a little bit of a bad stage because I feel he's been uh, he's been pitching multiple people at the Athletic on stuff without telling me. So we're a little we're not in a great place. So I, Ooh, I think it'll be more. Through, Bill, Bill, you got to come through the media reporter. Come yeah, on, yeah, right? Come on, All right? Ooh. So I feel like it, it's it'll probably be more Laplaca or Amy Phillips. That would be my. Would be would be my guess on who I uh, who I hear from. All right, that's yeah. I mean, imagine if Amy Phillips went to like Ben Fisher with the story instead of me. Yeah, <laughs> she, she'd hear she'd hear about that. Well, come on, you you're the dean of sports media reporters. No no one's going to screw around with you or Marshand or Dean Warmer. Young, the young, young the young guns like Ben Strauss and Kevin Draper, et cetera. Um, all right, so tell me about this Big Twelve deal. The this is you're all over this. The conference has been shopping. The 2019, 2021, and 2023 games to media companies over the last several months after Fox told Big 12 officials that it was not interested. So I have two questions for you on this. One, why was Fox not interested in this? And two, I mean, I think just given the potential teams that could be in the Big 12 championship, this would seem to be a pretty good property. But, I mean, t- t- maybe, I'm, maybe I'm off here. What's This is your story, so what's your thoughts on this? Uh, well, uh, there's, there's one potential championship game that's Oklahoma Texas and everybody kind of wants that but right. suppose you end up with uh you know 
Kansas State versus Kansas, or you know, or it's uh, there. There are a lot of other potential hey, Pat, dogs. Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes was a Texas Tech guy. You never know who you're getting, John. Yeah, that's true. That, that's true as well. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, they Fox paid uh, twenty five million dollars to to carry the first game, and I think they just felt like it just isn't worth it. So they they Fox has the Big Ten championship. They also have every other year they have the Pac-12 championship that they that they share with um, ESPN, and so just in a matter of TV scheduling, they're looking around and they're either they're either going to have to place the Big 12 championship against the SEC championship, which guarantees um, poor ratings because the SEC prints money for CBS, or it's going to have to go in prime time against the ACC championship, which typically has bigger markets and it's on you know it carries the East Coast and 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 would bring generally you know bigger bigger ratings. So they, I think they're looking and saying like. You know, it doesn't fit the schedule that, you know, 20 million, that uh, the price came down to 20 million or in the upper teens, I was told, you know, and, and even at that money, it just, it didn't fit with what Fox wanted to do because uh, the Big 12 also didn't want it to get, uh, to get on Fox Sports 1. So that's, that's uh, a, that, that left an opening for, uh, for ESPN ABC and ESPN has a college football playoff, you know, right. uh, I mean, really for college sports, ESPN, uh, despite the uh, Fox's, uh, deal with the Big Ten. ESPN owns college sports, and so the fact that they they only have like the ACC championship, Pac-12 every other year, and you know, a couple of other you know all, all the other sort of non-power five championships, they're willing to get get out there and get they 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 want to have the Big Twelve on their channel. So I, uh, the, I, I you said they were shopping around to, uh, to everybody. It's I, I I would bet my house that it would go to ESPN and that they're going to figure out some sort of price for it. So that's a that's um that's the likely um, scenario there. But what I found to be really interesting about it is that they kick off the championship in like eleven months and they don't have a media partner. And in this day and age, that's just unheard of. Yeah, that's really really interesting. Do you it, it should is there anything to read into Fox's sort of long term interest in college sports with them bypassing this? They out, listen. The Big Ten is an incredible property, so obviously they're all in on that. But um, I don't know. You know the, the the thing about sort of the new Fox is that you know their their game plan is sort of live sports and sports programming. Do you? You see, I mean, also let's sort of spitball here. You see, five, ten years from now, does Fox have a major college sports portfolio, or maybe just like a singular Big Ten relationship in much the same way, you know, CBS's primary relationship is with the SEC? At least, in the, I'm, ta- I'm talking sort of about football specifically. Well, ESPN has been locking down some of the rights. Uh, a lot of the the rights do come up again in the early twenties. Um, I expect the. I don't want to read too much into this from Fox's standpoint because, though we are talking about the Big Twelve and we're talking about the championship game, it's a one-off game. It's one game. You know, it's basically three games that they passed on, and they still have regular season Big Twelve that that, that they have um, that they that they can broadcast. So, it, I, there's a danger to read too much into this, but that certainly is a storyline to be keeping an eye on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, interesting point. Um, all right. A couple of other things here. You have been reporting this. Uh, you know, there's a number of of people who sort of I feel like have been at the front of this, and you are definitely there. What is the latest update, John, on the RSNs owned by Disney? Disney trying to sell them, and obviously the news that I think people 
um, you know, opened some eyes in the last seven days was Fox pulling out of the running to buy back its RSNs from Disney. So where does that stand now? This is a crazy story to me. The the future of RSNs as we know them could be changing radically because the, the people who are not bidding, it's more interesting to me, the, the people that have decided not to bid on these RSNs, which include uh, Comcast NBC, which own a bunch of RSNs, uh, AT&T uh, Turner have not put in a bid. They own a bunch of RSNs. Uh, Fox has now said that they have no intention of, uh, of buying the RSNs. And so what all of this does is depress the value of those RSNs. Because uh, if, if all of a sudden Fox, which has been operating them for you know 20 years, says like, well, yeah, no, we, we don't want them, not, certainly not at the $20 billion price point, what's a new company that wants to bid on these to think about that, right? Uh, and and uh, same deal with Comcast and, and, and uh, AT&T Time Warner. Um, so it's a... Uh, you know, they're keeping it uh, tightly guarded. Uh, my my guess is that they're going to have to split them up um, and 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 sell them piecemeal uh, out there. I still think there's there's a chance that Fox could still come in. To, they said they have no intention to buy, but if the price comes down far enough, you know they could be a, you know, we had no intention to buy, but we didn't expect the price to come down this far. And I also think there's a potential for um, Disney to go back to uh, the Justice Department and say like. Look at the value of these. You want us to, to to sell these at a loss now? There's no value in them, so perhaps we we should be able to keep them and and pair them up with ESPN. So it could go any number of of, of ways, and it's a uh, it's it's just a a story that changes every single uh, week. It seems. From your perspective, is it do you, do you you know because I I've read some of the. Um some of your items in the sports business daily there there are people out there who don't really think this is a growth business from your perspective do you think this is this would be a good purchase for someone or do the naysayers maybe have a point here uh I, not, not that it's a not a growth business but that it's a real slow growth business i mean the the the, the we've spent years now talking about some of the problems with espn and that it's the most expensive channel on the dial and there's a whole bunch of cord cutting going on and so that affects the more expensive channels more than than, than the other ones well the other ones the, the other channels that are expensive are these rsns i mean so they they face even more problems than than espn because like espn at least has a, a ton of networks and has disney and everything these are these are rsns that you know just cost a lot of money and at some point the distributors could say you know, we we don't want you on on them. Uh, Comcast dropped Yes Network in um, not in New York, but you know, in New Jersey and in Connecticut, and they kept them off for a long time. And it wasn't until you know that another cycle of Fox networks came up that they sort of rammed the rammed that through. You look at the Dodgers network in Los Angeles. Like the Dodgers have been in the playoffs for five straight uh, straight years, and they have not been able to convince any of the uh, distributors outside of Charter to uh, to carry the games over there. So it's um you know the, the, it's the, the, there are a lot of potential minefields with with these uh, with these networks, um, and like it, it's a uh, you know my personal belief, and this is this is just my background coming from the you know the cable business, but. Unless you have leverage of other channels to help force uh, carriage of of, of these um, 
uh, of these channels, then it's going to be very difficult. If, if you're a one-off channel like the Dodgers channel, it's just very difficult to convince distributors to carry you at a high price. Hmm. All right. Well, um, give us the sort of, for for listeners who don't know, can you give us sort of the Cliff Notes version of why Endeavor's move into um, streaming is a very, very big story. They're trying to take on Disney's BAM Tech, NBC's Playmaker, Turner's iStream Planet, and Endeavor now has some significant clients, including the WWE. But um, give people just sort of a, a Cliff Notes version of that story and why that is an important sports media story. Yep, the WWE, UFC. It's, uh, it's not really important for consumers. Uh, you know, consumers are going to be watching, uh, you know, watching streams regardless. But you know there are, there are so many um, um, leagues that are out there and network and uh, networks that are out there and uh, you know do do you want to go to a competitor? So if you're the WWE, do you really want to go to ESPN and, and sort of have them uh, deal with it? ESPN owns Bam Tech, or do you want to go to just sort of Endeavor where you have other relationships going and 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 have them work it? And so it it's become a very crowded marketplace. Right now, in the uh, in in uh, in the streaming space, and so why I'm interested in this is that it potentially takes clients from Disney with BAM Tech, from from NBC, and and you know as as those streaming. This has been a good business, but it's a very crowded business. So now it's possibly table stakes to get to to get into the game. But uh, you know the the development of Endeavor Streaming. Is certain to hurt the bottom line of Bam Tech and you know Playmaker and, and, and Turner has one as well. John, you should be excited. This is almost like a sports business daily, uh, one of those seven minute podcasts that you and Abe do. This is like I right know, you know what we're uh, getting really down and dirty on this. I'm getting your excited. St- <laughs> your strength. Um, all right, a couple I'd much more rather here. Talk and- about that than the uh, Monday Night Football booth. Let's put it that way. Oh, well, let's talk about the Monday Night Football booth then. Um, so you agree with me that it's very clear that. Uh, McFarland will be next year in September in the booth and not in the booger uh, oh, cart. One hundred, one hundred percent. Yeah, R.I.P. Booger Mobile. Yeah. And, and, do you think? Do you? But one thing on this, it's actually you know, I mean, I, I realize it's, it's it, we have over talked about this given that you know the other networks will tell you you know we're blowing these guys away by 10 million viewers but do you think there's any possibility that ESPN would blow that booth up um and when i say blow that booth up it's not going to be Jason Witten blown out it would be either Tessator or McFarland my my sense is that they're going to i think they're definitely giving these guys minimum one more year and they'll all be back except the big difference will be McFarland won't be on the field he'll just be in the booth with the other guys yeah i haven't heard anybody say anything bad about McFarland i've seen a couple people get uh Bash Tessator, but I think I, I, I think uh, ESPN's committed to them, and I, I, if they make any changes to that booth going next year, I would be really, really surprised. I think that that not only are they set with them, but uh, you know there are some influential NFL owners like Jerry Jones that also you know they, he likes having Jason Witten be a, a part of that, and you know that's all part of of trying ESPN trying to make make nice with the NFL. You know, if the owners are happy, ESPN's happy. Yep, Cowboys everywhere. Aikman, Romo, and uh, Jason Witten. All right, and finally, I want to end on the NBA. I didn't tell you we were going to talk about this, but we'll sort of do something quick. Um, the, you know, the we saw last year, um, I think, some fatigue with the Cavs 
Warriors final, you know, given that we have seen this before. At the same time, it was a short series. And I do wonder what those numbers would be uh, if that series had extended to six or seven games. But one of the sort of viewership storylines this year has been LeBron moving west and the early games on ESPN and Turner, you know, not really having the same kind of buzz without the staple of LeBron playing in those slots versus obviously the West Coast, which now has LeBron and the Lakers and has the Warriors and sort of has, you know, James Harden, who's been going off lately, has the glamour teams. You know, if you were going to take the temperature of sort of NBA viewership this year, um, what would you say? To me, you know, these are sort of blips. And I think uh, as the playoffs come, people are going to get really excited. But it is a real factor this year, in my opinion, LeBron moving west. And I think think that's the reason the regular season ratings are going to be down a tick this year. Yeah, and in fact, it's more than a blip. Some of those uh, Turner ratings are, are are down pretty significantly uh, okay. early on, and I think it you know it it almost has the feel of when Michael Jordan retired. It's like you know you, they're they're all these like great young stars, but they're not quite there yet. You know, LeBron. Uh, I've used this awful uh, expression a couple of times, but he sucked all the oxygen out of the room, right? And everybody wanted to watch LeBron. And uh, I think that it's going to take a while for Joel Embiid to to, uh, to to you know sort of take that step to be uh, to, to have people say I'm going to sit down on Thursday to to, to watch what happens with him and uh, and you know so the the late the late games are doing a lot better than the early games and I think once it, once the playoffs come around it's all about storyline and I think the, the Warriors are a good storyline the Lakers are a good storyline. I think the Celtics potentially are good storylines. I, I see the ratings rebounding a little bit, but boy, they, they started so poorly, it's going to be really, really difficult, if not impossible, to make, make that up uh, regular season-wise. John, you never get to talk about sports on like, these things like this. I know you're a big Wizards fan. You know I live in Toronto. There, um, there were some rumors floating around of how would both teams feel about a Bradley Beal for Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, maybe a draft pick trade. I will tell you from the Raptors end, obviously somebody who's on the air here in Toronto, I would never do that deal if I was the Raptors. Uh, uh, Not given Siakam's ceiling, not given the contract situations of both players. At the same time, I love Bradley Beal. I think the guy is phenomenal. He's 26. You have seen him without John Wall in the lineup uh, just take over games. How do you? How would you view that from a Warriors perspective? Per, I'm sorry, from a Wizards perspective, understanding that at a certain point the Wizards are going to have to figure out heading forward what they are. They're not going to win an NBA championship, sadly, with this constitution of players. At the same time, Bradley Beal is awesome, and I think a guy who's a franchise player. Yeah, you know, you, you can go one of a couple of ways here. I, I uh, personally, I'm I'm more akin to just kind of. You know, our our window, I say our, like the Wizards window has closed, uh, you know, and I think that this is a team that I bet you uh, that uh, with Bradley Beal uh, and and, uh, the team that they have, they're going to sneak into the seventh or eighth playoff spot and then lose a five-game series, (laughs) a series in five games, maybe four, you know, and so that's the sort of team that we have right now, and so I would would try to reset it, Um, but... um, I also think like like John Wall is you know Bradley Beal's playing a lot better without John Wall this season. John Wall's been hurt, so I'd say it's really difficult to sort of you know um, 
I've just been watching John Wall as one of the best point guards in the league for the past several years. So watching him this year, it, it was obvious that, that, that he wasn't all there. And it was obvious to me that, that he was hurt. So it's, um, I think that that was hurting the team a lot as well. Yeah, I love John Wall. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big John Wall fan. Um, I think he is a franchise-type player. You know, it's just, it is possible, John, that um, one, sometimes, um, sometimes you could have two great players and the pieces don't fit. I do think the war, the the Wizards' um, issues have been, um, you know, surrounding Beal and Wall with some kind of, and it's not easy to do, but transcendent front court players. Um, you know, I think you can win with those two at the same time. And I know this just from living in Toronto, you know, for the last, whatever it's been eight to 10 years to 12 years, you can't get by LeBron. I mean, the, the, the East has been locked up. So, um, well, it'll be, interesting, probably, to, it'll be interesting to watch the wizards. They, they have, they still have two all-stars that you can build around in wall and Beal. If wall can come back from this injury, cause he plays a type of game. He's so quick and, and yep. he, he plays a type of game that, uh, you know, once he starts to get injured, you know, I mean, I, I, I've, I've worried about his ankles since his uh, rookie season just because of the way he cuts and how fast he is. It's, uh, I'm hopeful. All right, so again, so I, I don't think I ever got an answer from you. Do you do Siakam and Anobi in, let's say, first round or second oh, yeah, round yeah, picks? I, or, I, I, yeah, I'm all about blowing up this team. I, I, oh, I, you I, would do that. All right. Yeah, so I, I don't, so don't want to – I hate the idea of being a seven or eight playoff seed and, and losing in the first round for the next two years. And that, like, blow it up now and let's just try to rebuild. Yeah. For, by the way, from afar, Kawhi Leonard resigns with Toronto or, or heads west to play, play, play in the Western Conference? Uh, I can't. I have no clue. I, 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 I my, my guess is just uh, because of the Toronto market, like uh, he, he would want to go go elsewhere. But um, uh, he seems to be doing well up there. I mean, I, I have no clue though. How dare you, John? He's done. <laughs> All right, John Orand is the sports media writer for the Sports Business Daily and Sports Business Journal. By the way, John, everybody, I should, John, everybody I should, stopped this pod when I started talking basketball strategy in the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, this I'm is sure. this is. I'm I'm looking. Unfortunately, you're going to be about ten to fifteen thousand less downloads than Miller, but that's okay. <laughs> Do you, are you um Are you heading to the Super Bowl? Will you uh, be there? Yeah, I'll be, uh, I will be uh, down in Atlanta for uh, for for most of the oh, week. That is like when you you're like uh you're like Cuba Gooding Jr. right in that lobby shaking. The Burke Magnus's hands, the Connor Shells, the Pataros, the Sean McManus's, the Mark Lazarus's. That is a good scene for you, I would think. Uh, you live the high life for a little bit. It's fun. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be, I'll be in negative thirteen Celsius here in the Great White North. Well, last time Atlanta had the Super Bowl, it was uh, we were iced in. Remember. I do remember that. That's true. Yeah, Atlanta is not always warm in, in January or February, so knock on wood uh, for that. And good luck with that traffic. That is a rough traffic city. Uh, great city, but a rough traffic city if you've ever been there. All right, John, is there anything else you want to promote before uh, before I get you out of here? No, 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 no. Always always happy to be on this. Yeah, thank you, John. I appreciate it. All right, John O'Ran, please check out him on uh, – uh, at the Sports Business uh, Daily and Journal. Check out his Twitter feed. Uh, again, one of the top guys writing about this stuff. John, as always, thank you very much for joining us on the Sports Media Podcast. And you're going to stick around, John, as I do my exciting close here. I know that is something you've always wanted yeah, to Yeah, this will uh, be great. Be can, of, can, I chi- can I chime in or is it just yes, like- you absolutely, absolutely. You can rate the guests I've had compared to you over the last couple of weeks. So if you are interested in this content, Previous guests include Austin Murphy and Daniel Dale. I mentioned James Andrew Miller. We did a whole thing on ESPN. Chelsea Janes, 
the Washington Post reporter who is now who went from covering the Nationals to covering presidential politics, and Bruce Feldman, uh, Tom Berducci, Rebecca Lobo, LaChina Robinson, Kirk Minahan, Troy Aikman, Kate Abdow, Rachel Nichols, Candace Parker, Jamel Hill, Renee Young. Go through the whole list if you're interested in these kind of conversations, including with John O'Rant. Uh, please give us a uh, review and a sub on Apple Podcast Stitcher or wherever you get this stuff. My thanks to Lou Pellegrino, my fine producer. My thanks to Cadence 13 and, of course, John O'Rand. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast. <laughs>